Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. John Heyman, insider for MLB Network. Chicago is watching carefully, no question about it. New York Post columnist, curb your enthusiasm enthusiast. You hate people. Well, I hate people individually, but I love mankind. John Heyman with Mully and Haw. I like the White Sox. You never know with the Cubs. On 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Always a delight to talk to our friend John Heyman, and he joins us now on the score hotline. Powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. John, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Well, I think there's a sense of relief. The Cubs have indeed... (laughs) Brought more than the manager to the table. Mm-hmm. They signed uh, Shota uh, Imanadia, and he is a left-handed pitcher. He's in town for his physical, and he's been here for a little bit, apparently. Uh, 30-year-old left-hander who will yeah. be introduced at the fan convention, which we were hoping someone would be there. Yes, I'm with you. Big stuff for the Cubs. They did something that was pretty big. And I think they got him on a good deal. My understanding is there was a team out there, at least one team willing to uh, more than double the guarantee appears to have gotten with the Cubs. I don't know whether he he just likes deep dish pizza or uh, Chicago-style dogs or uh, Jed Hoyer. I'm not sure. But uh, he wanted to be a Cub, obviously, and uh, they got it done. John, that would be a remarkable sacrifice that you don't often see from professional athletes if he turned down twice the value of the guarantee and the size of the contract, the way it was reported, I think it was John Morosi that the contract is initially two years, $30 million could be as much as an $80 million investment, a lot of opt-outs. But do you, do you think that's a f- fair value for somebody that could be sliding into the middle of the Cubs rotation? 15 per year seems like a bargain. Yeah, he seems to be betting on himself. I mean, that's what it is. $80 million, uh might be the value, and I, I believe that he could have gotten that guarantee somewhere else, but uh, he thinks he can earn it with the Cubs, apparently, and uh, good for him. You don't see too many guys doing that. You don't see too many guys uh, going for uh, a million less, much less uh, $40, 50000000 million less. Wow. We will see when this all shakes out, but I think he was pretty close on that. Um he thinks, uh, and the pitcher believes that he will get that eighty million or so uh, through the incentives, the escalators, and uh, I guess we should say good for him. He he wanted to be a Cub, and uh, they are going to get it done. 
Yeah, that that is. Uh, I didn't realize that. That's really interesting. I um, I I know the Cubs had vowed to get a Japanese player, and we were hoping it was someone different initially. But that <laughs> seems like a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, I I do believe so. Uh, I actually think the Otani deal was a good deal, as I as I said when I was out there in Chicago with you guys, because of all the deferrals. Uh, the Yamamoto deal, uh, you know, we'll see about that one. He's, you know, three hundred twenty-five million for no one who, for someone who's never uh, pitched or played in the big leagues. That's that's a lot. But this does, on the surface, look like a good deal. But from the player's perspective, uh, he he believes in himself. He thinks he can get it done, and uh, he will get that eighty million. That's his belief. So uh, good for him, as I said, and uh, good for the Cubs. And I doubt they're done because I, I do think they want to improve the offense. You never know how a Japanese player, especially a pitcher, is going to adapt and adjust and, and thrive, John. I think the most recent example you look to is in New York with Kodai Senga, who had a very good year for the Mets. I, I, I guess, is, is that, when you're looking for comps, a, a fair comparison to look at one guy who was established, who came over and continued the success in the majors, or would there be another comp that you think is more accurate? Well, I mean, certainly there is that adjustment, and so that's accurate for all the Japanese pitchers, and we heard that a lot in spring training with Senga, but he, he adjusted quickly. I was there for his debut, and he was outstanding right away. Um, I think the Mets got a fantastic deal on that one, uh, $75 million. Um, you know, Senga's a guy who throws uh, nine, up to 98 miles an hour and has that ghost fork, so his stuff is spectacular. I, I think that he signed for that little because uh, he had a bad medical um that seems to be the case there, and the Mets uh, seem like they got a great deal on him. Uh, Imanaga is a different type of pitcher. It does feel like almost all the Japanese pitchers have been able to adjust. We talk about the different ball and all the, the different scheduling, and sometimes the teams adjust on the scheduling. Obviously, they don't adjust on the ball, but, um, you know, I think Imanago's a different type of pitcher. He's more of a crafty lefty. We saw him in the WBC. He did win that clinching game that is only remembered for Otani striking out Trout to nail it down for Japan in the WBC. But, uh, you know, I think he's a very good pitcher. Um, you know, to me, Senga's got great talent, and the Mets got an amazing bargain. I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be able to duplicate that. But, I mean, if you get a middle-of-rotation pitcher at $15 million a year, you're right about that. That That is quite a good deal and if he hits the escalators that's still a good deal for the Cubs because that means he pitched very well I, I'm just curious John I, I you know you look at at uh, kind of some of the signings this year um, have Japanese and Korean players kind of uh, overtaken Latin American players or is it just this year because the best player in baseball is Japanese and and everyone's going for him uh, am I just overvaluing that sort of change in in what happened this season versus you know the kind of uh, the the number of players that have come from the Dominican and and Cuba and and organizations already filled with them. Well, I mean, obviously, the best player in baseball is is a Japanese player in Otani and uh, Yamamoto. He's got the biggest contract. Ever, I mean, I guess the coal contract you might say is better since it was uh, three years fewer for only one million dollar more. But three hundred twenty-five million when you've got a fifty million dollar plus uh, 
posting fee to pay as well, and quite incredible. So they obviously believe in him. Uh, they obviously have a very talented players. I'm not going to say they over, have overtaken uh, the Latin players or anybody else, but uh, they do have the best player and uh, certainly the pitcher that was the most coveted free agent pitcher that I have ever seen. Every big market team was in on him. Uh, the Yankees were falling all over themselves. The Mets the same. And uh, really every big market team wanted Yamamoto and uh, – really was incredible to see. Uh, with Otani, we were not surprised because, I mean, obviously uh, he's the modern-day Babe Ruth, so he deserves whatever he gets. So, John, in Chicago, obviously Cubs fans celebrating the fact that there's, a, there's actually a move, that finally there's somebody to be signed, but it also leaves Cody Bellinger still unsigned, Reese Hoskins still out there, Matt Chapman now linked to the Cubs. Do you think one or all of those three guys yeah. are possibilities for the Cubs? Yeah, I mean, all of them would be quite a coup, but uh, I would say at this point you've got to figure they're going to get at least one of them. Uh, certainly they do like the idea of defense, and uh, Bellinger provides that, Chapman provides that. Uh, they do uh, feel like they need a first baseman, and at least it feels like from a distance. So certainly looking at Hoskins, but, uh, you know, Chapman we've heard probably more with the Giants, but I'm not going to be surprised if it's the Cubs, if they can combine him with Dansby Swanson. Uh, that's the best uh, left side of the infield defensively in baseball. Obviously, Bellinger did a great job there last year. Uh, they've obviously also been a part on the contract, and they've been talking to other teams. And, uh, you know, whether they work it out, can't say. It is quite unusual to see it, it go on for two months and then try to – and then eventually figure it out with that team. But, you know, I can't put it past them. And we don't know what the other teams are offering. We don't, For that matter, we don't know what the Cubs are offering. But at this point, I can't say it's a, you know, any slam dunk that they, they get uh, Bellinger back. But certainly they're in on all three. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they got two of them. I, I would be shocked if they didn't get at least one of them. John, uh, we had some news yesterday from the White Sox. For whatever reason, they're having uh, meetings in Arizona, and we heard from Chris Getz, and he came out and said, I guess the biggest news, they're talking to people about Dylan Cease. That's what everyone wants to know. But the biggest news is that they've decided that Garrett Crochet is going to be a starting pitcher in 2024. Now, I don't know how quickly you can stretch out a guy like that. I don't know if that means they're going to have a year of him in uh, Charlotte or most of the year in Charlotte and then try to save a year on his contract. Um, you know, 6'6", 230-pound lefty, can used to be able to throw the ball through a wall. Uh, do you see him as a starter? Were you surprised <laughs> by that idea? And what kind of a team are they going to be fielding? If It seems like a desperate move, no offense to him. <laughs> Well, I can't say I'm an expert on whether he can be a starter. It seems like that's a lot, what a lot of teams are trying to do. I've, I've even heard that with Hicks, who's a free agent. Jordan Hicks, who's a free agent. Obviously, yeah. Ronaldo Lopez, they're stretching him out and trying to make him a starter with the Braves. So, I mean, certainly if you can get a, make a guy go from relief to starting, the starters get you know multiple times more money. They're apparently what teams think many times are more valuable. So, uh, if they can do it, more power to them. I think this is probably the time to experiment. I don't think they expect to uh, win that division or probably even contend this year. So um, if they see something, he's obviously a big guy who threw hard. Uh, I don't blame them for giving it a shot. Uh, you never know how that'll go. Sometimes it's worked. Obviously, it worked for uh, Seth Lugo. It's worked for you know Phil Hughes in the past. It's it's worked for some people. Uh, it doesn't always work. No, normally, you need uh, if you don't have two dynamic pitchers like 
pitches like Doc Gooden had. Uh, normally, you need to have three good pitches to be a good starter, and uh, that'll probably be the challenge for him. But uh, I don't blame them for giving it a shot. Uh, I think this is the year for the White Sox to experiment. But isn't there an understanding, or maybe this is the reality, they're not going to be able to experiment or even execute a deal until Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell find a home. And I think when you talk about trading Dylan Cease, the teams that are be motivated motivated to give up more are going to be even more motivated after those guys sign somewhere. So aren't we all in a holding pattern here with Cease? I think probably that's the case. That's the way it feels. And um, it seems like it's now 50-50 whether they actually trade him or wait till the uh, deadline. And I, I've uh, heard a variety of opinions about that. If they wait to the deadline, I think, you know, everybody thinks he's better than what he showed last year and he will pitch better. And whoever acquires him still will have two playoff runs. Uh, so, I, I, you know, the downside would be if he gets hurt. He's been a guy who's been very durable. He's ma- answered every start for three straight years. So uh, maybe they wait. Uh, maybe they haven't. They obviously haven't heard what they wanted to hear. We we know that the Orioles have the best prospects. Uh, the Reds have been in there. They have good prospects. Uh, the Yankees, Dodgers. Uh, you know. Uh, there are a lot of teams involved, but uh, could be a whole new set of teams if they waited uh, to the deadline, and uh, maybe they will get would get a better offer at the deadline. So at this point, I will not be surprised if they wait to the deadline to trade Cease. Um, certainly, wow. still going to be talking to teams, but I, I do think you're right that uh, they were waiting on Yamamoto. I think probably they're waiting to see what happens with Snell and Montgomery, and they may be waiting a while because uh, you know. We don't know that they're close. Those pitchers are close to any deal. Montgomery's got a huge market. Obviously, Snell's looking for a big deal. And, uh, you know, I don't know that it's a reflection on them. Uh, if we recall, Machado took a long time to sign. Harper took into late February to sign. The best players uh, and the best pitchers sometimes take the most time. And uh, they may be waiting it out into spring training. And if that happens, uh Let's not be surprised if this is a deadline deal with Cease. But, I mean, I do think he will be traded, whether it's now or at the deadline. So they got a rotation, and they're starting with Cease, and they'll have uh, uh, Eric Fetty, and, of course, Tukey's coming back, Tukey Toussaint, and, uh, and of course, the, the, uh, the unspeakable future of Michael Kopech. I, I, they're going to be competing. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind, <John. laughs> I, I just well, you never know. I mean, there are surprises. Yeah. Did anyone see the Diamondbacks in the World Series? I mean, it's certainly going to be a long shot, whether it's 101 or 201. I don't know. I don't play the. I don't bet, and I, I don't even look at those odds. But it's a long shot. But uh, look, the Diamondbacks made it all the way to uh, the final uh, series, and uh, nobody nobody really saw that coming. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'll be shocked if uh, you know they're a contender this year. They are fortunate to be not in the. Uh, AL East or the NL East or the NL West, but uh, or the AL West for that matter. But uh, so maybe they'll hang in there for a while. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean they did improve the defense. Maldonado is an outstanding catcher. DeYoung's a very good defensive shortstop. Um, you know, I, obviously they had a long way to go based on what they did last year, and uh, they made only small moves. So uh, it would be stunning if they were a contender. White Sox I'm sorry. teams. I mean, yeah, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Molly. No, so, no, uh, I, I – uh, you, you know it better than I do at this point. I've, I've wrapped my mind around it. White Sox team strength, division. <laughs> so, John – And Cease and yeah, Robert. Oh, yeah, okay, and Robert. Dylan Cease. They, they have two great players. For, for as long as he's here. 
When you look at the free agent market, it's been very difficult to read this offseason, very slow without much news and, and many signings. Josh Hader seems to be wanting to get paid more than any other closer. What is the latest with Hader, and who are the teams that might be willing to make that happen? Yeah, like I said, the best sometimes take the longest. And uh, right, Diaz got 100, and I believe it was 102 million, something like that. But with the deferrals, it was like 94 million. I don't blame Hater. Haters had a better career than Diaz had to that point. Of course, Diaz had that year where he had like, you know, two strikeouts per inning or something like that. So, and it was Steve Cohn in spending mode. So maybe Hater doesn't get there, but he, he certainly should get close. I mean, you know, you think the Phillies, the Rangers, the Dodgers potentially. Um, you know, never going to rule out the Cubs. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I do think they will do more stuff, but I, I, I do think they're kind of leaning toward offense, which is what we've heard all along between Chapman and um, certainly Bellinger and maybe Hoskins. Um, you know, I, 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 do th- I don't blame Hader. I, I think he's the best relief pitcher in baseball. So uh, if he waits it out, uh, it's probably the right thing to do. Will he beat Diaz? Uh, I'm not sure that he will at this point, but I mean, he certainly should be right there. Yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you, I think that uh, when you look at the Cubs, if they get all that done, then they are coming in, then they're giving the manager a team good enough to win, and they're counting a lot on the manager. So here's hoping because you just don't want to give a guy a team that's worse than the one that he thought he was going to get. And I know. Stroman apparently flirting with the Yankees, John. I don't expect him. I think he's he's gone. But will he end up with the Yankees? And I, I'm still struggling to figure out why he decided not to just stay in Chicago because it seemed like the money was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that was a little bit of a surprise at the time. But, uh, you know, the market has been great for starting pitchers, right? So it seems like the right move, just like all those hitters who decided not to opt out between Michael Conforto and – uh, Josh Bell in Miami, they all made the right move staying. And the pitchers who've opted out, I think they probably made the right move. We will see if he beats that. He probably can get a multi-year deal. I don't think it's going to be real long, but he probably will get a deal that's comparable or better. Uh, yeah, I don't expect him back with Chicago. Uh, their pitching looks pretty good right now. I think they're set with the starters. Um, the Yankees are, from my understanding, one of three or four teams that they're talking to. So, possible that's been a team that he's wanted to play for for quite a while I remember when he was traded to the Mets I, he was quite upset uh, because he thought he was going to go to the Yankees and the Yankees uh, frankly didn't want to pay the uh, the price at that time and uh, Yankees are going to get a pitcher um, you know I'll be a little surprised that they jump in now with with Stroman because does that mean they're out on Snell and Montgomery I mean those are really the two guys that they've been shooting for they certainly do need a pitcher they traded King they lost Severino uh they've lost uh, a few guys I think Cortez has a shoulder question still uh they definitely need to uh bulk up the depth so is it possible they sign uh Stroman and another one I guess it's possible but it would seem to be unlikely so um I'm not going to count that one as a done deal, but uh, there's certainly one of the teams that is talking to Stroman right now. I hope he signs with the Yankees, John, because I know how much you missed him in New York. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a character. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great yeah, stuff, a, John. I'm sorry, finish. You can finish the thought. I, no, I, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a, you know, we've all had our things, but he, it's fine. Nothing terrible. So, uh, you know. 
It'll be fine. Uh, I don't expect them back with the Mets, though. I don't think that will happen. I don't think happen. Uh, no. That's not happening. Uh, but uh, the Yankees, uh, I guess we can't be shocked at this point. Great stuff, John. Great, John. Thanks. Great talking to you guys, as always. That is our guy, John Heyman. He's hilarious. <laughs> the Stro Show. Somebody. It's yeah. Broadway. Off Broadway. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, not. He's got some I history. Am I too negative about the White Sox? I don't think so. I'm, Are you? Yeah. I, Never. I've always been. About the White Sox? I haven't quit You're like on that. glass half full I'm, every I'm, day. You know, I, what, did I, do I suddenly not like a man nicknamed Machete? Has that happened? <laughs> How can you not love that nickname? That's a for great a catcher. nickname for a guy that cutting them down. He's cutting down guys trying to. Stay. By the way, speaking of the Mets, a guy who was on the Cubs radar apparently signed with the Mets this week, Sean Manaya. Oh yeah, you know him because yes. he no hit the White Sox, right? Of course. Well, did, I know did, him. No hit the White Sox. He, he was once rumored to be with coming yeah, to. the I White think that's Sox. probably what I'm thinking. He did have a no hitter, yeah, I believe. I don't know. That he's also he, a local guy. He's a he's a uh, region guy. A, a region guy, yeah. Northwest Indiana guy that the Sox were. He's an Indiana boy. We're yes, looking at you. at one point. So <laughs> thanks, yeah. Pat. Pat's war- warming up his voice there because he wants to get all the pronunciations of all the new Cubs right this weekend. Oh, he will. You know he will. Oh, I know he will. Yeah, because there's only one of them right now. There's oh, only one new Cub to yeah. introduce. And what is his name, sir? Imanago. Imanaga. Three one two six forty four sixty seven. Shota Imanaga. Who's the second one? Craig Council. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't think I mean, that counts as Cub. a player. He didn't say player. He oh, said Cub. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, he's Look the big it, yeah. one. Craig Council. Yeah. How do you follow that one up? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> it's exactly as it's spelled. <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mully and Hall flashback. 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 Uh, I think he did a good job going, having, like, different game plans. Uh, I would say we was kind of, like, Limited in what we could do because of the O line and uh, the, you know, there was injuries to uh, some of the key key players on the O line. So I guess Green Bay thought it was a, a feeding frenzy and they just was going crazy on our O line. And that's why we really couldn't get nothing off the ground how we wanted to. 
Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score that is the voice of DJ Moore. And we have breaking news here on the score. The Bears are uh, are firing offensive coordinator Luke Getze and quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoco, according to Tom Pelissario of the uh, of, of the NFL Network. NFL um, announces Bears firing offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. And that breaking news on 670 The Score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. This was the most likely scenario and outcome of these postseason meetings. Right. Luke Getze was the most convenient scapegoat and probably the guy easiest to blame for a lot of the offensive issues. Hmm. It also suggests that if you're firing, if you're firing your offensive coordinator and his staff, essentially, that you are sticking with your head coach. You're not going to make this announcement or let this get out without really standing behind your head coach the who is going to stay in all likelihood. It seems like that's the case here. Yeah, again, they have not – the Bears themselves haven't made an announcement unless you consider them making it through the NFL. But uh, the fact is that they are moving on from their offensive coaches. And as you say, if they were firing the staff, they would announce that. Instead, they're firing offensive coaches, and that would seemingly indicate that the uh, the head coach is staying. I don't know if you if you – draw any conclusions about the quarterback. I think that um, it's kind of interesting. You you know, the scapegoats that you've chosen are the offense coordinator and the quarterback's coach. I don't know what that means for Justin Fields. Are you going to wait and then scapegoat him to go along with it? But Mm -hmm. it it appears that uh, Eberflus is staying. I'll tell you two things I interpret from this. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'll stick with your quarterback thought. I don't think this bodes well for Justin Fields no. because I don't think that you would likely try to get the most out of him in terms of reaching his potential by giving him his third offensive coordinator in four seasons. And in his fourth season, expect him to take that leap with a new scheme, a new approach, and a new offensive play caller. So I don't think this necessarily says they're bringing Justin Fields back. In fact, it probably suggests that they're leaning toward keeping that number one overall pick and taking quarterback, likely Caleb Williams. As far as it goes in terms of the other interpretation, the reason it may have taken so long, Mully, and I don't know how you think about this, Matt Eberflus, loyal, maybe, you can't say now to a fault, but I think very loyal. And I think that maybe it took this long for him to state his case, for them to consider where he's coming from, and maybe for Kevin Warren to get involved, or maybe Ryan Poles to get involved and say, you know what? Appreciate where you're coming from, but we've got to make a change. And talking him into this and how they're going to present this maybe is why we're sitting here Wednesday morning, and this is the first news we've heard trickle out of Hallis Hall. I think what's curious about all of it is the idea that the Bears, if indeed they're keeping Matt Eberflus, they're going to allow him to hire two new coordinators. Remember, they had to get rid of – they had to get rid of Ellen Williams at the beginning of the year. I believe he coordinated one game and then was MIA for a few games and then was let go. And so whether or not they are promoting Phil Snow, I have no idea if that's in the, in the works, but they still need to 
to hire another coach as the defensive coordinator, and now they need to hire an offensive coordinator and presumably let him bring in a quarterback coach. I, I wonder uh, if they had a meeting with Matt Eberflus where they asked him, what are your plans for the new offensive coordinator? What are your plans for the new defensive coordinator? And what does it say about the Bears if indeed they like the coach enough to allow him to to replace the two hires that he brought with him? I think that's a fair way to look at it. And, and the cynicism is earned and appropriate. I, I think it says to people who were doubting the process or wondering about the Bears, that it says that their ambitions are limited, that you're you're not going out and starting over by getting a new quarterback with the first pick, a new head coach who's offensive-minded, and going at it from that direction. You're looking at it as maybe a half measure. You believe in your head coach, so, so he stays. You like what he's done in terms of the culture and the defense, so he stays. And, oh, we trust you enough to find this offensive innovator, this play caller, who wants the challenge of likely starting with a rookie quarterback and getting the most out of that player immediately, immediately. Now. I would love to know who is on Matt Eberflus's list of potential offensive coordinators because, Molly, the way that we understand it, the way I understand it is that up until maybe flying home from Green Bay, he was behind Luke Getze. I think that he believed in Luke Getze. And uh, you know, when you really listen to he started talking about short yardage issues. Yeah, he did. I'm not sure. He, he gave he himself was, an out. He gave himself an he out. He gave himself an out. But I, I, but I think yeah. that if he had to be talked into this, do you think he's already looked ahead to possible candidates? I guess every coach has to have a contingency plan. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I do not – I never I, – yeah, let me put it this way. You're talking about Matt Eberflus, and you asked him, you hired him, and you asked him to bring in uh, his coaches. Who, you know, did he know that Justin Fields was the starting quarterback when he was hired? Yes, he did. And he concluded, well, you know what? We need that Green Bay system for Justin Fields to do very well in it. And you hired, uh, you hired Luke Getze, and he brought uh, Andrew Janoco with him, and you came to a conclusion within two years that uh, it's not working, it's not going to work. So we got to fire him. Is that for the new quarterback? Is that for this quarterback? I'd say unlikely. And I think that um, you're trusting a guy now that didn't hire the right coach for the quarterback you had. You're giving him a second you're chance. You're giving him a yeah. chance to hire another coordinator who will be better with the the quarterback that you select and they, meanwhile you know you had a you had to fire one guy based on competence Let's, mm -hmm. can we put it that way yeah he didn't do a good enough job so you let him go meanwhile you had a you had to you didn't fire Allen Williams you let him resign and that was due to personal behavior it wasn't a football decision and now you've got to yeah. now you got to replace him too I, I, I'm just saying David I, I get it they like they like Eberflus as the manager, as the defensive coordinator, and he's going to continue to be the play caller. Mm -hmm. But this is a weird one. Well, it is a weird one, but, but a couple of things. I think when you look at uh, the defensive coordinator role, I understand that he will be a he'll be titled the defensive coordinator. 
essentially that's a defensive staff assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Because if Matt Eberflus is continues to call the signals, which is contingent upon him returning, that's what you want him to do. Defensive coordinator is what we're going to call the guy. But he's not a play coach. He's a defensive assistant coach. So that that I don't have as many, many issues with their trust factor. Like, oh, boy, how could they do this? That's two coordinators. It's kind of one coordinator in name only. Offensively, those are valid concerns. And I don't think that you can talk your way out of that. You, you, you have put your head coach in a situation to be questioned and doubted and scrutinized because he doesn't have a track record of picking the right guy. He doesn't have an offensive background. I think he'll probably get more help this time around. I think it will be a, a collaborative process. Don't you think that Ryan Poles will probably be more involved in picking the staff, the offensive staff, than he was the first go around, especially the way it went? I don't well, know. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's. I mean, good or bad. Uh, yeah, I. It's it is a. It, I mean, is it does does the team president have somebody in mind? I, I mean, we don't – there's a lot you don't know. of information That's a good missing. question. There's, it's a very good question. Who, who would uh, – who, who has been discussed is a guy like Frank Reich who's available mm-hmm. and has connections with Eberflus. Would that make people feel better about the situation or not? Is he – he's not a young offensive mind. He's a, he's a grizzled former head coach, fired twice. So, I still learning to check. I don't know that you – I don't know that that would answer the questions. Here's the other, another idea, not idea. I do wonder this legitimately. We make so much about the offensive coordinator and the play caller in the scheme, yes. and it is so important. You look around the league, and you'd like to have them all in sync. You'd like to have them all on the same clock. How conceivable or unrealistic is it that you draft a quarterback that is good enough that those things aren't as important? That is so good that it transcends that yeah. need for continuity or that need for. Have you seen that happen often? I mean, you know, even when you take Peyton does it Manning, matter? Does it matter who Joe Burrow's got, offensive coordinator is? Um, eh. I don't know. I don't know I, that I, it does. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. But Peyton Manning had Joe Moore, you know, a steady veteran hand to help him make the transition. Still had a terrible year as a rookie and then and then broke through. Um yeah, I I I don't know that there is a player like that available. I don't know that there is a guy that you would say um yeah, look at you know Joe Burrow. He's like a fifth-year guy that that has transferred and is ready to go. I just don't know that there's a player like that in this draft. There are, there are guys that have been bounced around and all that stuff, but even if Joe Burrow is, you know, throwing a ball on a dime, somebody needs to, to call a player. Well, to yeah, right? I know, but they're, they're going to get they're going to get somebody who has some credentials. They're going to get somebody who's the, qualified. The play call, yeah, the offensive coordinator is not going to come to Chicago. I, I think that we're assuming the worst case scenario is oh, going to happen. I, I don't know that we're assuming anything. I, I I'm saying it's interesting that that you're allowing that you're separating the head coach from the people he hired to run his offense. And, oh, by the way, the guy he hired to run his defense, you had to let go. Right. Now that is, again, another example of the amazing culture the Bears have where they don't let a guy stay around if he's violated rules and, and the coach can play call for everyone. I, I Again, I, I'm not against the idea. I think that, that 
I'm not remotely surprised by this. I felt that Getze was uh, was short uh, for the for the offensive coordinator position. I you know wondered at one point if they would try to let Janoco have a bite at the apple and change play callers like a lot of teams did, and if there might have been a change if you did that, or is it all the same thing? Um, I'm not surprised by this. I'm just I, don't, saying, I don't think people would be surprised by this. No. This was the most expected outcome, the most likely no thing question. to happen. Luke Getzey did not do enough to justify keep keeping job. his job. It's just the way the league works. But, but I do find it curious that, that you you know believe so much in the head coach that you're now going to let him hire two new guys. And if you don't let him make that hire, then is that – I mean, and I, they're doing everything in coordination. It's not – I don't think that – but I just think it's very interesting that that half the half of um, of the football was terrible and you had to replace it, and the other half was apparently saved by the head coach who saved his job by doing so. That's what they're telling you. Yeah. And I'm very curious that this apparently means that the quarterback you're not going to are you going to give him a third coordinator? In Chicago, is that what you're planning on doing? I, it, I would, I would suggest to you that, again, they have the number one overall pick, and they're more likely than not now to take a quarterback, provided they get a coordinator and a quarterback coach they feel can work with that guy. And I don't have a problem with any of that. I'm just saying this is a very curious turn of events because it's hard not to look at it and say that they address the major issue. Yeah, and Adam Schefter now weighs in. Bears coach Matt Eberflus expected to return for the 2024 season. League sources tell him that makes sense. That's consistent with what we've been talking about. And Luke Getzey, Andrew Dinoco on the way out, which uh, I think uh, nobody's surprised. I'm not sure it makes sense. I think it makes Bears sense. Just the idea that you're starting a new – if you do indeed draft a quarterback – then you're starting with a coach that has one year left on his deal. He's definitely going to be here next year. Really? I mean, is that a good idea? How you hire? Who you hiring? It 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 will. All these these ideas will unfold. But I'll be very curious to figure out when they decide to publicly tell everyone this. Probably tomorrow, unless they rally today. Not quite yep. sure how they'll explain it, but right. we can count on them giving us plenty to discuss. Right now, you can be the sixth caller to the Scores Contest line, 312-540-0670. Win a pair of tickets to see Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. One night only, Chicago tour at Soldier Field, and that is June 21st, 2024, at Soldier Field. Tickets on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., courtesy of Live Nation, 312-540-0670. Are you a local business owner or employee? How'd you like to have a commercial air during Super Bowl 58 right here on The Score? This is your chance. We've launched a new contest called Score Big for Your Business where you can enter to win a 30-second Super Bowl commercial on The Score's broadcast of Super Bowl 58 from Westwood One. Log on to 670thescore.com slash contest to enter now. And learn more details. There will be a, a deadline to that. Deadline to enter is January 19th. You should get to it now. It's Mully and Hall. We're going to talk to uh, – it's a Layla Wednesday, so we've got a lot of talk with a lot of people next on The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.